welcome to the Mind Tales podcast. We are a fast-growing tech mental health organization here to bring you the insights that you need to boost your emotional health and thrive in your daily life. It's our goal to make quality mental health care both accessible and inclusive. That's why part of our mission is to get discussions, conversations, and debates about mental health going. From psychiatrists to educators, entrepreneurs and community members, we bring you the stories and experiences of health advocates from around the world. And that's what we're going to do today. If you like our episode or have any suggestions for future content, please like it, leave a comment, or connect with us on Instagram at MindTalesOfficial. It makes us so happy to hear from the MindTales community. Hi, Noor Savenjan. Welcome to the MindTales Collective Podcast. It's so good to be talking to you today. For those of you meeting Noor for the first time, Noor is an entrepreneurship and incubation specialist with Yildiz Technopark based in Istanbul, in Turkey. So Noor supports startups by coaching them through development and matching them with investors and also mentors. Noor, you supported such a wide range of startups in healthcare, enterprise software, food technology, and also business intelligence. So we can't wait to hear more about your insights on the incubation center that you're at and learn more about Turkey's startup scene overall. So before we get into it, first of all, how are you doing today? Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Um, I am doing well. I'm currently working from home. Um, It's it's going okay (laughs) for the most part. (laughs) That's good to hear. Um, So could you tell us a bit more about your personal journey from Wellesley College and MIT into economics, politics, media, and then entrepreneurship? Tell us more about all of these different interests and how you ended up where you are today. Um, Okay, I'll take a step. (laughs) Um, Wellesley College is a liberal arts institution and liberal arts schools are known for their their liberal arts curriculum, which is composed of a a variety of disciplines, bringing together sciences, arts, philosophy. So as part of your education there, besides your major, you have to take classes outside of your major, which makes you sort of this, um, the whole idea is to make students a more round, well-rounded people. Right. And um, I'm a liberal arts student. I really enjoy the liberal arts curriculum. And but my degree uh, was in economics, and my like desire to study economics really stemmed from like making an impact in the world. And I took mostly developmental economics courses. I also spent a year at SOAS University of London as an exchange student, wow. where I also took a lot of courses in developmental economics. And as you mentioned at MIT, MIT as well as these partner institutions. So as well as students, we were cross-registering with courses at MIT. And there I mostly took urban planning courses and urban planning explored making an impact in the world from a different perspective. How do we like improve livelihoods at an environmental level? And I really like enjoyed that too. But after I graduated, I landed on media, as you mentioned, I started working at TRT World, uh, which is, and English channel for Turkey's public broadcaster network, um, one of the like biggest broadcaster networks probably um, in the world. Wow. Um, so our English channel was a newly established one and it was also very super diverse. It's based in Istanbul, but has offices in DC and London as well. 
Right. Um, so I came back to Turkey after I graduated. So I should mention that too. I started working in Istanbul world. I worked as a producer where I produced explainer videos on political economy problems like institutional racism, like um, economic um, crises and political crises. So it was a lot of condensing information into like capsules. And I really enjoyed producing videos. I like, I can produce content and thanks to my liberal arts education, I, I yeah. like this idea of like, just getting into like something new and consuming it like as quickly as possible and like making yeah. it digestible. At the time I started taking like machine learning courses and business intelligence courses. And for one of the homeworks, I used the YouTube data for the come of the company to predict if we can, um, if there are any um, deciding features of um, what makes videos on YouTube popular or not. Mm, so I, that how it got, me interested in um, like business side of things. And a couple months later, I switched to the strategy team within the same organization. So it was fun. We were actually using data in order to like create company strategy. And mm -hmm. there I felt like I'm more like I fit there more because actually ma making impact at a bigger scale um, by giving these like, um, data-driven insights and presenting them to the um, executives who uh, later take action on them. I really like that. And um, after my experience at TRT, I started working at uh, Yulu's incubation center. Um, so that was actually a, that was like pretty serendipitous, um, but it really worked for me. I, I realized that, um, that like problem solving using technology part of it and making an impact because like a lot of entrepreneurs are driven by the desire to like exactly. make something big in the world. Yeah. So I'm like a huge believer of like um, Steve Jobs concept of connecting the dots backward. So like, yeah. I really see that in my life and- Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that sounds, that sounds wonderful. I'd love to hear more about this entrepreneurship center that you're supporting at the moment. So Yildiz Incubation Center is actually Turkey's largest incubation center, home to 100 plus startups. And it also uses this interesting comprehensive model of incubation and acceleration to support startups from a wide range of backgrounds, pre-incubation, incubation, and post-incubation. So tell us more about Yildiz Technopark overall. What makes it stand out and how did it grow to house the largest incubation center? in the nation so techno parks are technology development zones you can think of it like as big campuses that are designated um, as technology development areas and they are granted special privileges for entrepreneurs and companies working there by the government like tax benefits social security benefits for its employees um, and these grant, these benefits were granted in order to spur technological development. So Yildiz Techno Park uh, is located in such an area. It's also affiliated with a leading research university in Turkey, Yildiz Technical University. So Yildiz okay. University is Yildiz Technical University's Techno Park, um, and Techno Park consists of um, 400 plus hosts, 400 plus 
R&D companies in the camp. So incubation center is actually part of the Technopark. We can think of Technopark as the mother company, uh, which hosts like 400 plus technology developing com companies. And within that, we have the incubation center, mm -hmm. which hosts like 100 and plus startups um, and making it the biggest incubation center in Turkey. Yeah, I think the reason why it's the biggest is like due to two facts. One is it's um, this uh, affiliation with a technical leading technical university. And it really provides that like uh, trust and, um, and, and a wide array of opportunities for um, startup founders and companies. And second, these like special privileges, like it's really granted by the government for the companies who work there, like yeah. tax benefits and social security benefits. And this, the support of being here, being around uh, the network effects of being surrounded by a bunch of great firms, whether it's like incubate or it's like a big R&D firm in the Technopark. Right. We are in the same campus. Um, and so these technology development zones, like you're explaining, it sounds like they create a wonderful backdrop for startups and incubation centers to succeed and thrive. And apparently there are over 85 plus technoparks in Turkey now and counting. So more recently, these entrepreneurial university models, just like you explained, are emerging where they're situated next to incubation centers, next to larger organizations and within technoparks. And this is the model that Yildiz Technopark mimics. So can you tell us more about how each of these entities are intertwined and how they support one another and contribute to building this larger, uh, thriving startup ecosystem? Sure. So the initial intention with Technoparks was to create this link between university research and um, industries. And that's also, that's pretty critical for especially emerging economies like Turkey, you know, to make sure that this transition happens and it happens very efficiently. So technoparks were established with this intention in the first place. How that uh, interaction takes place, uh, it takes place in a couple of different ways. One is uh, through um, this research and industry collaboration. So within technoparks, there are technology transfer offices who, like, whose um, employees work with university professors and really familiar with their research and connect them with industry members and making sure that know-how gets implemented in um, relevant company and industry. Um, so the other one is, as I mentioned previously, the network effect of uh, being like co-located in a university campus. Right. So our startups can have um, can get consulting from university professors on their projects and we really support that and we encourage that also it's like they get an access to a student population who might work at startups so that there's the talent pool i uh, think it course. also works that way very well and i think from like a macro perspective these technoparks are really useful for countries because they mobilize technology creation for example, when the um, COVID um, outbreak took place last year in March, uh, the Ministry of Industry um, connect, contacted a lot of technoparks in Turkey asking who is working on 
um, ventilator-related projects in order to produce Turkey's um, locally produced ventilator, uh, which was like very critical. And it actually came up one of the technoparks. A startup company was working on a similar project. And then they got lit later, they got involved in a consortium of two other big companies and they produced a local ventilator within a very short mm -hmm. amount of time. And I think this is like one of the like examples through which we see the mobilizing easily because you have access to the companies and startups and when you want to mobilize them, Mm -hmm. It's, I think, a really useful model. Exactly. That sounds like a really valuable interaction of, as you're explaining, networks, information, and knowledge, almost like a knowledge hub in some way, too. <laughs> Let's turn our attention to Turkey's startup ecosystem overall and the increasing number of incubators in the nation. I find it very interesting that Turkey has also been making a name for itself in the gaming industry over the past two years. So what do you see as the future of Turkey's entrepreneurial ecosystem with its increasing number of technoparks? And what are the main challenges that you see coming about as this ecosystem continues to grow? Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that Turkey made a name for itself in the gaming industry. But the startup ecosystem so far has actually grew on the back of e-commerce, um, SaaS, software as a service, and fintech. And the reason for that is there was a good telecom infrastructure mm -hmm. in Turkey and a strong banking system, um, which was particularly made stronger after 2000 financial crisis. Mm -hmm. So even though the per Turkey's first unicorn um, was a gaming company, a lot yeah. of uh, the big developments in startup ecosystem took place in the industries I mentioned. Right. And recently we have um, another Turkish company, Getir, um, okay. a delivery service company who recently started operations in the Europe as well. Mm -hmm. That was valued in $2.6 billion. Mm -hmm. um, so will probably be Turkey's biggest unicorn so mm -hmm. far. Mm -hmm. um, and coming back to your question about the future of yeah. um, Turkey's the startup ecosystem in Turkey, I think e-commerce will still be part of the, the strong pillars of Turkish ecosystem because in terms of geography, Turkey is at a very strategic place. Right. And that automatically makes it the, the best um, the shipping spot for like a huge range of countries around the world. Mm -hmm. um, and like gaming as well as like mobile applications and a software as a service i think yeah. they'll continue to be strong pillars because turkish engineering like turkey has world-class engineers right. um which is one of the like advantages of turkey but mm, there are not enough of them and okay. some of the tech talent is also leaving to work abroad given especially the, the value of Turkish currency against dollar and euro. That's also right. the disadvantage part of it, the greatest right. challenge startup space. Right. And I think that's the biggest challenge Turkish startups are ecosystem is facing. Mm -hmm. And I think in terms of investments into the system, it's been increasing. Mm -hmm. And I think this is good news and I think it will continue to increase and that will have a big impact on the total number of 
um, startups and um the the number of entrepreneurs which will consequently lead to a higher number of successful cases right um, and i also see the investments in turkey's um security industry will mm-hmm. will nurture other um pillar like other artillery industries such as like smart cities iot and data mm-hmm. analytics mm-hmm. um because turkey started like making those headlines for its drones and it's like aerospace um the like national aerospace projects and those in turn um like feed into um smart city infrastructure which in turn uh feeds into iot and data analytics yeah. technology various factors that are going to be interlinked and actually we might be able to see play out in the future of Turkey's entrepreneurial ecosystem. And so before you go, tell us more about your relationship with your mental health, if we could turn our attention there for a second. Um, how has your mental health and your relationship with your mental health changed over the past years? Um, and given your experience working with founders and coaching startups, what advice would you give to young entrepreneurs about managing their mental health successfully? Um, I'm a very extroverted person. Um, so my mental health, um, my relationship with mental health, I think starts with that. Right. Um, what that means is that, um, extroverted people live outside mm-hmm. and when you, when your focus is really, um, oriented towards outside, you seek answers outside as well. So yeah. why am I not reaching my goal? Why am I not, um, happy at my job? when you always give um, yourself extra, when you always like cite external reasons yeah. as answers to your questions, like you don't get anywhere. And that was, I think when I started, I really need to focus on myself because I can yeah. only change myself. Um, currently I'm trying to strike a balance between the two mm-hmm. because too much focus on the self can lead to feeling like you are responsible um, over things. Yeah, yeah. You have no control over the things. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And um, the faith-based approach to mental health really works for me. I'm responsible for the effort and the outcome is decided by God only. And this um, belief really freed me. Yeah. I also really appreciate the Sufi methodology of self-healing. Mm. Historically, the first step into journey of personal growth in Sufism is serving others okay. and then growing into the phases which involve more and more mindfulness and self-reflection. Yeah, I think I'm trying it. Um, I think there's a lot to be inspired from it. Um, so that's my relationship with mental health in a nutshell, my personal relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And what advice to give to entrepreneurs? So I think first and foremost, um, this is something I also try to live by. If you can't manage yourself, you can't manage a team, let alone a company. Remembering that will force you to take care of your mental health. And it really starts with managing yourself and making Mm -hmm. sure you are 
you give enough attention and space to your mental health. Mm. I think second would be to pacing yourself. So a lot of times we, I mean, in startups, we put a lot of emphasis on speed, how quickly yeah. you grow in the first two years of company um, tells a lot about the trajectory is the general norm. It really changes from industry to industry, but that's the, I mean, people want to see traction and exponential growth yeah. in startups. Yeah. Um, so a lot of startup pound founders can um, burn themselves out in the process, yeah. but it's really about pacing yourself and making sure you take care of yourself because when you do not, you are not the best version of yourself. Yeah. And that is shown in your relationship with people. And, and it will mm -hmm. not only like hurt you, but it will also hurt your company too, because people will won't want to work with you. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it's really incredible that you also demonstrated how um, our relationship with our mental health influences external spheres of our lives, like our relationships with others and um, even just our day-to-day -day in our careers. Something I was curious about was, does Yildiz Incubation Center, are there any initiatives or uh, community support conversations around mental health for founders to really support them with managing their emotional wellness? Um. We don't have currently, but this is something in the talks. Yeah. Um, we contacted um, professionals who previously worked with um, entrepreneurs, like mm -hmm. at a professional mm -hmm. level, like providing them mental health support. Yeah. Uh, this is something that's in the works, um, not implemented yet, but yeah. we try our best to give the community support at a community yeah. level. Yeah. Um, but like supporting them with accessing professional mental health is something in the works. Right. Um, it's great that you mentioned that because I think it's really, it takes really two sides, like having the greater community support you and having yeah. access to professional mental health. I think they really go hand in hand. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's really valuable what you're mentioning as well about community support, because oftentimes, um, I think isolation and loneliness is something that a lot of founders can feel. And so just being surrounded by others who are on the same journey can do a lot as well, um, too. Yeah, definitely. Right. And so finally, before you go, we want to hear your top three mental health tips. Tell us how you invest in your self-care and your wellness. Um, so first and foremost, my, my attitude towards this is find something like find habits that work and pivot around them. And the things that have worked for me so far are like, waking up early I know no brainer everybody talks about it <laughs> but I really see the value I can really see the difference yeah. between my day when I wake up early and easing into the day I think that's the key it's not just yeah. like waking up early and doing more it's really easing into the day um with yeah. reading reflection and my lemon water <laughs> and um, and I think the key is actually the, the transition because our bodies have biological clocks and yeah. we should support our body with transitioning from like night to the day. 
and to the best of our ability. And I think I really um, believe in the power of waking up early and easing into the day. I love so that. So something yeah. I do is weekly reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, so I dedicate two hours every weekend thinking about what happened that week. What did it, what did, did okay, I'll re- retake this place. Sure, sure. So the second thing is weekly review. Um, so mm-hmm. I spend two hours every weekend, at least two hours, thinking about what happened that week, uh, what went well, what didn't, and turn the learned lessons into action items for the week, for the upcoming week. Mm-hmm. And I also see a huge difference between the weeks um, where I did that and I didn't right. in terms of productivity and motivation. Um, it's not fun uh, to do sit down and do that. Yeah. Um, but mental health requires effort as if with everything. Like we spend a lot of time and effort on our bodies, but mental health requires as much effort as that, at least. Yes. And that's what I'll do. Another thing I do is um, exercise. Also another no-brainer thing. But yeah. <laughs> Um, so I, it also made a lot of sense. I mean, I knew that like exercise made me feel better, but uh-huh. I was not able to say why. Um, yeah. but my Pilates teacher really alerted me to the power of exercise, right. um, because historically sports were viewed as a completing aspect of human development, mind, mm-hmm. body, and spirit. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, we have a lot of thoughts, we have a lot of emotions, and it's not as easy to control them. Yeah. And the best, the easiest way to control our state is actually through our bodies, which in turn has an influence on our thoughts and consequently on our mental health. So I think that paradigm shift really helped me to internalize the power of exercise. Mm. And I can also see the huge difference in terms of motivation and productivity in time periods where I regularly exercise and versus when I don't. Yeah. Thanks so much for touching more on the physical, mental, emotional aspect of um, taking care of yourself. Something that is really going to stick with me that you said was just pointing out the fact that taking care of your mental health is not always um, so rosy or just so easy. It t- does take effort and it does require time and commitment too, um, much like other areas in our life that we're prioritizing. Thanks for emphasizing it, Risa. You put it really well. So thanks so much for joining us today, Noor. Where can our audience keep up with Yieldis Incubation Center and its updates and your community? So we are on social media. Um, you can follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, with okay. Yildiz Kuchka and Yildiz Technopark. Um, our content is currently mostly in Turkish, but okay. I also, I try to do most of my sharings bilingually, Turkish and English. Yeah. So if you can follow me, you'll probably be updated as well. Incredible. Okay, I'll put all of those details in the description and I just wanted to thank you for your time once more. Thanks, Raisa, for having me. It was it was such a questions were like really well thought out, and I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for tuning in to the Mind Tales Collective. 
If there were any questions that stood out to you, don't let these conversations stop here. Share your thoughts with your family and friends or send over a quick message to us on Instagram to share your thoughts with us. And don't forget to hit the follow button. You can find us at MindTales Official. We know it's been a tough year. We want to remind you to check in on how you're feeling and ask for help if you need it. Remember, self-care is more than a band-aid. Your mental health is important. Stay tuned for more content next week. Take care and talk to you soon.